Now, more than six million people are trapped in the global sex trade, almost five million of them women and girls, according to the International Labour Organisation. And Australia isn't immune to this scourge. This week, Nine Media reported that crime bosses are using loopholes in Australia's immigration system to run a prostitution ring. It involves possibly hundreds of vulnerable migrant women. One person who isn't surprised by the revelations is the long-time women's rights campaigner Cathy Chambers of the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women Australia. This is something that we've known about for a very long time. Going back to the early 2000s, I recall our organisation put in a submission to the United Nations, the Convention for the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. And in that report that we put in, we noted, and this is back in the early 2000s, that traffickers arranged for women to arrive on tourist visas, and then they applied for refugee status for them and put them to work in brothels whilst they waited the outcome of their applications and they were put in conditions of debt bondage. So they had to service, we've heard reports from that time of up to about 800 men before they actually started doing any money for themselves. So the idea of women being trafficked into the sex trade in Australia is certainly not new at all. It's been going on for a long time. Cathy, what do we know about the the type of women who fall victim to this sex trafficking? One of the articles in the media on when all this came to light in the age investigation was a woman from South Korea, and she made the point that when she arrived in Australia, she only knew two English words, hi and hello, and that she was given a piece of paper to give to the customers in the brothels, which said, hi, I do everything. And so this is, I think, exposing women who come from no English background and how vulnerable they become once they're in the industry. So this woman would have been exposed to having to do things in the brothel, like uh, sex without condoms, for example, that women with better English would know was against the law at that stage. A huge vulnerability is the lack of English. There are, of course, vulnerabilities of women who are in poverty, who have suffered various traumas and so on, drug use. And, I mean, it's interesting that with the uh, war in the Ukraine that women who were fleeing that war early on in the peace were met at the borders when they came out of the Ukraine, by sex traffickers. Many of those women were trafficked into brothels, particularly in Germany, I believe. You've been Mm. campaigning on this issue of sex trafficking of women for decades, Cathy, your organisation. What has changed in the nature of this terrible industry, this criminal industry, although actually there's a a lot of pressure to make it not a criminal industry, but what's Mm. changed in the way that it works? When our organisation first started in Australia back in 1995, there was no decriminalisation of prostitution except in New South Wales had recently decriminalised. Now we have full decriminalisation of the industry in the Northern Territory and recently in Victoria. Now, of course, full decriminalisation in the Northern Territory means that there will be many Indigenous women um, who are particularly vulnerable to exploitation in that industry. 
and as you said, the industry has become very, very much normalised and there is a push for full decriminalisation of the industry in other states. In Queensland at the moment, that's happening. There's a Law Reform Commission review there. I think one of the big things that has shifted and is different now in the last 20 years or so is the influence of pornography in the sex industry, that pornography, as we know, has become more and more violent. And the men who now go to brothels are demanding things of women in brothels that they have seen in pornography. Now, this wasn't the issue 20 years ago because pornography was nowhere near as violent as it now is. Yeah. The advocates Mm. of uh, decriminalised prostitution, they will say, look, it's different to sex trafficking. Do you see a difference? No. The forces which drive women into prostitution, be they trafficked from overseas or people who are living within Australia, are very much the same. They're poverty, drug use, it's homelessness, it's trauma. All of these things are what drive women into prostitution. And in fact, Catherine McKinnon, who is a US human rights lawyer many, many years ago, made the very astute observation that it's when all else fails, women turn to prostitution. It is what women turn to when they've run out of options for how to survive. And I know the sex industry lobby will say something different and they will say that it's women's choice and, you know, it's a great way to put yourself through university and so on. Yeah, well, they'll point, Cathy, yeah. to, um, you know, the young woman doing the PhD who says, look, I'm in this by choice. Maybe yes, some yes, are. And if, <laughs> but they would be a minuscule proportion of women in the industry. And I really don't think the sex industry lobby groups really speak on behalf of, you know, hundreds of women who, as I say, have got no other choice. Your organisation has also been pushing for decades now to have exit strategies for women who want to leave prostitution. Do we know, are there exit strategies? There are a few organisations which, very few organisations, such as I think Project Respect and Pink Cross is another one that comes to mind, that provide some support services for women wanting to leave the industry. The support services are totally underfunded. There is no proper funding for them in this country. Of course, one of the models of prostitution legislation, which we've been advocating for for a very, very long time, is what's called the Nordic model. And one of its key pillars is to enable women to leave the industry with full support networks in place, support for drug problems, support for homelessness, for retraining for jobs and so on. Mm. But the other thing that I'd like to mention in connection with that is that the Nordic model is the only model of legislation which actually addresses the demand. Now, we have to remember that when we're talking about these women being sex trafficked to Australia, they're only sex trafficked here because there is a demand for them and nothing, no other legislation and no, none of the discussions around these revelations that have come to light have actually 
talked about this aspect mm. of it. And the Nordic model, it mm. decriminalises the young woman, usually the, the, young yeah, woman so, who who, mm. who is forced into prostitution or even who mm. may choose to be in prostitution. It decriminalises mm. that, but it criminalises the person who buys the prostitution services. By the way, yeah. who's against the Nordic model? The sex industry lobby would be against it. You know, organisations which see prostitution as legitimate work, sex workers' work is the mantra of the sex industry lobby. Groups who promote the Nordic model, as we do, we see the sex industry and prostitution on a continuum of violence against women. And so it has to be situated on that spectrum. So Mm. it's a form of violence against women. And it's driven by the demand from men, almost entirely from men, who see it as their right to buy access to a woman's body and to do with that body things that they might not want to do with their wife or their girlfriend or their fiancé. So, yeah. Mm. Now, the Andrews government Mm. in Victoria Mm. has decriminalised prostitution almost entirely. Mm. You wrote recently in Eureka Street magazine about the serious Mm. risks you see. What are those risks of the Andrews government approach? What full decriminalisation of the industry here in Victoria has done is it's been to remove all the checks and balances that were in place Until full decriminalisation, it was mandatory, for example, for women working in the brothels to have regular STD checks. It was mandatory for the men to use condoms. Of course, they would, you know, a lot of the men would try not to, but it was in the legislation that they had to. Alcohol was not allowed in brothels. There were strict controls around where brothels could operate. Brothels had to be licensed. Now, the removal of all of this means that the sex industry now can locate anywhere where any other business can locate, and it's left up to the local governments to try to kind of say whether something is is a reasonable location or not. But there's nothing to stop a brothel opening up in the house next to me if it wanted to. There's no planning permits required for them. They will be allowed to apply for a liquor licence and that will, of course, expose women working in the premises to the even more violent behaviour of men who are intoxicated because they've consumed liquor whilst they're in the brothel. There are no requirements for condom use. A lot of the restrictions on advertising have been removed and so this we are thinking will lead to a greater objectification of women and the use of ethnic, racial images of women. At the moment, women can't be advertised to show that they are a particular ethnic group. There'll be more advertising of that. And this will, I think, increase harmful gender stereotypes. Yes. Just finally, Cathy, uh, this also seems to be a failure of federal government regulation when it comes to the terms of immigration. Uh, you know, many people yeah. being coming in yeah. falsely uh, manipulated by essentially mob bosses. What do we need to yes. do when it comes to immigration? This is something that we've known about for a long time, that migration brokers are uh, agents of bringing people to Australia on work visas, student visas, various visas, um, often obtained with fraudulent documentation. 
I would be hesitant to sort of frame the whole discussion around this, what has come to light in terms of a border control migration issue, because that does obscure the fact that these are women who are being trafficked into the sex industry. And I think if we talk about it just in terms of migration, as the statement put out by the Minister for Home Affairs and the Minister for Immigration, which talked about the whole thing as exploitation of migrant workers, that totally, totally distorts what's actually happening. These are not migrant workers. These are women who have been trafficked into a very exploitative industry. And I think that's certainly where our organisation will put the spotlight. Cathy Chambers of the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women Australia. And there's a link to Cathy's article in Eureka Street magazine at the Religion and Ethics Report homepage. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.